Welcome to Your Province, Your Premier. I'm Wayne Nelson, your host and moderator. The show is being broadcast on 770 CHQR right here in Calgary and in Edmonton on 630 Ched. Every Saturday morning at this time, I'll be speaking with Premier Jason Kenney about some of the issues of the day, but it's really your opportunity to ask questions of the Premier, voice your concerns, or raise any issues that you feel need to be addressed. Whatever's on your mind, you can speak with the Premier one-on-one. Just remember to keep it short and respectful, be patient, and we got a lot of calls and texts, so please keep those text messages short as well. There are a lot of them. Premier Kenny wants to hear from you. You can call or text in Calgary. The number is 403-974-8255. In Edmonton, 780-496-0063. And right across the province at 1-800-563-7770. Premier Kenny, welcome to the show. Now, I'd like to start this week's show with something that just about everybody's been talking about for the past few weeks, and that is electricity rates. Now, you and I have discussed this on previous shows, but it's an issue that really continues to evolve. You announced back in March that the government would be providing a $50 a month rebate for three months to more than 1 million homes, farms, businesses to help people cope with the rising cost of electricity. Now, on Wednesday... The bill to implement this, it called the, let me check my notes here, Utility Commodity Rebate Act, was tabled in the legislature. Now, if I'm reading it right, it's essentially a two-part plan, one for electricity rebates, one for the natural gas rebate program, and the natural gas rebates to take effect between October 1 and March 31st. But there's been no date announced for the electricity rebates. Why not? What's taking so long? Well, uh, that will come through as soon as it gets passed in the legislature, uh, the We'll pass on the money to the utility companies to then pass it on to consumers on their bills. Uh, so it does take some time to draft complex legislation. You don't do it overnight. But it's uh, introduced now. And uh, unfortunately, the NDP held it up when we introduced it last week. Um, I hope they will agree with us to pass it quickly, get it in place, and then we can get that money onto people's utility bills uh, this spring. Now, a lot of Albertans have been hard hit so hard hit that they haven't been able to pay those bills. And quite frankly, a $50 a month rebate for those folks does nothing. But more importantly, as of April 15th, they're no longer protected by the moratorium that was imposed on the energy providers not to shut off their service. And reports suggest more than a 1,000 Albertans could be affected. They could be in line to have their power shut off. So what's happening on, on that front? How's your government helping these people, if at all? Well, my understanding is that moratorium is a long-standing policy. It's not a COVID-era thing. It's always been there. And there's always been uh, uh, some people who are in arrears, but uh, we have asked the power companies to be sensitive to the impact of uh, rapid inflation of the high energy costs this year and, and all the dislocation from COVID. Uh, and uh, there are different ways that people can apply for, for relief. Uh, there's no doubt, though, that electricity prices are a huge burden on people. Uh, these are This is the result, in part, of big policy mistakes. This week, we also released, Wayne, an independent audit of the power purchasing agreement fiasco under the NDP, where they cost us $1.3 billion, partly through their rush shutdown of the coal plants. Those were producing the most reliable and lowest cost form of baseload electricity. They also approved billions of $7.5 billion of additional transmission infrastructure, uh, introduced the carbon tax, and cost billions of dollars of costs to convert coal plants to gas. Now, all of those costs are being passed on to consumers, plus the increase in the carbon tax. And people are now feeling the pinch. At the very least, one thing could happen would be for Ottawa uh, to stop raising the carbon tax, but unfortunately they won't. Now, we had a University of Calgary 
a school of public policy study that was released the same day that uh, Associate Minister Dale Nally tabled Bill 18. Uh, and it said that the lion's share of the increase in the electricity rates is due to producers increasing their fees. So how is your government responding to that? Is Because people just can't afford to wait for increased competition to help prices level out. Well, as you know, what they charge is regulated, but the... Um so, so some of the costs have gone up because of natural gas. Like the end, with the cheapest form of power production we had in the province wind was coal. That was thermal coal plants, and it was the most reliable. The NDP, in their ideological zeal, shut up to shut down all those coal plants, forcing a conversion to gas, which is much more uh, price sensitive. And right now, we're seeing a big, you know, uh, gas prices now are like seven times higher than they were three years ago. And so, and inevitably, you're going to see that reflected in the trend in the uh, in the generation costs for electricity. But on top of that, in the past decade, we've built out about 15 billion dollars of new transmission infrastructure, and that's the biggest driver on people's people's power bills right now. Alberta overbuilt its transmission infrastructure. Our government has put a pause on that, and we've only approved, I think, a hundred million dollars of new transmission infrastructure. We overbuilt, and, and consumers are now paying for that, unfortunately. All right. Let's uh, take a pause on uh, on my questions. We'll go to the phone lines. We've got lots of calls coming in. We've got some good texts as well. We're going to go to Don from Edmonton. And, Don, uh, question on uh, the rebates. Go ahead, Don. Hi. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, the rebates, shouldn't it be, be done like more of a percentage basis? Um, I know that far shutting down those Actually, there was really good technology right here in Alberta that was developed in Fort Saskatchewan that would have taken the coal-fired plants and reduced the emissions to less than a natural gas um, emissions. But uh, unfortunately, that uh, technology has now gone to the United States. But, uh, yeah, shouldn't the electrical be done on a percentage basis? And then I was wondering about propane, if what type of provincial taxes on uh, propane as well. And those are my questions. Yeah, thanks. <clears throat> Sorry, Don. Thank you. Uh, and you're absolutely right. I, when the NDP was in its rush to shut down the coal, I pointed out that we had some world-leading clean coal technology that could we could um, a- apply it to our thermal coal plants and then share that technology uh, with the de- developing world. You know, they're still building hundreds of thermal coal power plants in places like China and India. Um, and uh, But unfortunately, the NDP, just they were absolutely blinkered about this. They uh, were in a rush to shut down the coal plants, and that's cost us billions. That's cost everybody on their power bills now. In terms of the rebates, it's a, it's a good question. Look, the, we just figured the fastest and easiest way to get some money out to consumers was to do a flat uh, rebate. Now, having said that, we are looking at how we can have a more... Uh, a We've also introduced the $6.50 per gigajoule uh, cap on natural gas prices, and uh, we are looking at how we can have a more uh, relative uh, price protection for consumers on that. So details still to be determined. And on the propane, I'm going to have to look into that. I can't recall whether propane is included in our holiday on the Alberta fuel tax, which include which does include diesel. Uh, I'll, I'll check into that and get back to you, Don. All right, now we go to Neil from Edmonton, and he's got a health care question. Go ahead, Neil. You're on with Premier Kenny. Yes, Premier. I, uh, I'm a senior citizen. I'm in my 80s, and uh, I've been healthy all my life, and I voted conservative all my voting life. And the thing is now, uh, 
I've had chest and stomach pains now for two years. I go, uh, I've seen my family doctor, but he, he's trying to get me a specialist, can't do it. And that's two years. Now, I'm told even after I do see a specialist, it's going to take me at least three or four or six months to even get it treated. That's a long time. Uh, my quality of life has gone down the tube. I can't exercise. I can't do my weights. I can't do anything. And I'm sitting here waiting. And, uh, you know, I know that I know our, our health care system is, is on its knees. It's practically dead. And uh, the thing is that nothing is happening. But I find that what you're doing, you're bringing in more people in the name of refugees. You're giving them health care cards. What about us sick people? There's a lot of us out there that can't even get an MRI, you know, for at least uh, six to eight months. Nothing's happening. But more people are coming into this province. How, how do you how do you how do you respond to that? I mean, what what is going on? Do, do you really want us to become pi- a, a private health care system? Is that what it's all about? Or, or you know, tell me what's on your mind. Okay, well, thank you. I'm so sorry that you're going through this difficulty, uh, and it's unfortunately an experience similar to many others. I mean, I've talked about my own dad having shown up at the Rocky View in Calgary. Uh, at, 10 years ago and and waiting for 14 hours uh, basically without care and ultimately dying later that day in what is the most expensive healthcare system in Canada that I always been inexplicable to me and that's why we ran on a commitment to uh, bring in some real reform to our system to get more bang for the taxpayers buck including through our surgical wait time initiative uh, one element of which was announced yesterday uh, increasing third by 35,000 the number of eye surgeries that will be performed in chartered surgical facilities we'll be rolling this out more broadly across uh, the spectrum of surgeries uh, with uh, an investment of an additional nearly billion dollars uh, to reduce surgical wait times because they are unacceptable. Uh, now, I would just say, while there are uh, real problems, it, it, it's not true that our healthcare system is dead. We have, uh, we still have a very good healthcare system. There are some serious problems you've identified, but um, you know we spend more than we are the second biggest spending province in Canada. Canada is at the top of the cost spectrum for healthcare in the developed world. So we have to find more efficient ways of getting those dollars to patients. And as patients have got to be at the center of it, that's the whole principle behind our surgical wait times initiative. That's not privatization. It's using the private sector to help us deliver more efficiently publicly insured uh, services. Finally, um, I should just add that Alberta doesn't select or uh, bring in refugees. They are selected by the government of Canada. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, that, that they decide who comes in. But at the end of the day, we have four and a half million Albertans and a few thousand refugees are not putting a significant additional burden on the health care system. Uh, the, and, and finally, I should add, obviously, COVID had a huge uh, impact on the system. Uh, when we had huge pressure on intensive care, we had to move staff from surgeries to critical care. And that unfortunately uh, slowed down our uh, progress on the surgical wait times uh, strategy. All right. Thanks, Premier Kenny. We're going to have to pause for a break. I'm Wayne Nelson, and I will be back with Premier Jason Kenny and more of your calls and texts when we return on Your Province, Your Premier. Welcome back. Your province, your premier, airs every Saturday morning at this time from 10 until 11 throughout Alberta. Here in Calgary on 770 CHQR and in Edmonton on 630 Chet. 
I'm Wayne Nelson, your host and moderator. This is your opportunity to voice your concerns, address issues you feel are important, to speak with the Premier one-on-one. In Calgary, you can call or text 403-974-8255. At Edmonton, the number is 780-496-0063. And across the province, 1-800-563-7770. All right, let's go right to the phones. Ron has been hanging on for a long time, and uh, he has a question about cabinet shovels. Go ahead, Ron. You're on with Premier Kenny. Bon matin. I would like you to share uh, your philosophy on cabinet shuffles. For the most part, you've made very few, and I believe this has taken away some of the excess power of the bureaucrats. Thank you. Well, bon matin, Ron. Uh, That's actually a very good point. Um, You know, Uh, Margaret Thatcher used to call the bureaucracy the permanent government, and she wasn't wrong. And don't get me wrong, I respect our public servants, but if they're in their positions for years, sometimes decades, uh, they have a huge advantage over elected ministers who come and go. And I saw this in Ottawa a lot. You know, I was, uh, Stephen Harper kept me at immigration for five years. And so, and and frankly, I was a bit resentful of that at first. I wanted uh, different challenges. But I learned something that he, there was a method to his madness because it allowed me to really learn in great detail uh, and, and uh, nuance the, the complexity of all those issues and to really get on top of them such that when I got a new deputy minister, I knew more about immigration than policy than he did and uh, gave me a huge advantage as the elected person. So the, I've brought that philosophy to our government, which is, I, I think, as a general rule, letting ministers really kind of master their, their ministries and their files and the issues uh, makes them more effective. And that's better for democratic accountability. At the end of the day, if you're, if you're flipping ministers through uh, every 18 months or, or, or two years just after they've got on top of their job, uh, then that really, uh, I think, often makes for less effective ministers and less effective democratic accountability. So it's a good point, Ron. All right, let's go to Edmonton once again. And this is uh, Dustin calling uh, with a question about what's next after the leadership review. Go ahead, Dustin. Hi, Premier Kenny. I agree with you that the number one goal is to keep Alberta united and to keep the UCP united after the leadership review so that we can defeat the NDP once again next year and have four more years of the UCP government. What steps are you going to take out to those who have opposed your leadership in the leadership review to maintain caucus unity after the leadership review? Well, thanks, Dustin. Uh, you know, our members will be deciding over the next few weeks on the future of the party. I'm uh, hopeful and, and confident that uh, I'll receive an endorsement and it'll be I'll read it as an endorsement of uh, unity, of uh, discipline, of uh, moving forward to the f- future focused on the Albertans key priorities, not internal party politics. So, as I said at our virtual special general meeting uh, three weeks ago in Red Deer, Dustin, I will respect the decision of our members, regardless of what it is. If the members decide to go in a different direction, I'll thank them for having had the chance to serve in the best job in Canada as Premier of Alberta. Uh, But if the members decide that they want to maintain unity and coherence into the future, then I uh, will expect all of our caucus colleagues to respect the democratic decision of the members as well. And so, um, you know, our, our caucus has demonstrated in the past uh, that there is a limit to our willingness to accept uh, very, con- you know, constant uh, attacks on, on, the, on the government and on the team. 
and on confidentiality. Uh, and you have to, ha- you cannot operate as a government without at least a basic level of professionalism, discipline, and unity. And so if the members vote to maintain unity, I'll take that as marching orders. Uh, and I believe that, uh, that our caucus will as well. Premier Kenny, on that note, uh, published report out today, uh, criticism, uh, your, your, the chief of staff to infrastructure minister, Prasad Panda, uh, has been taken over, filling a, a position within your staff, uh, and responded to a newspaper column that featured renewed criticism of you from some UCP caucus members. Uh, the criticism uh, was dismissed as coming from the same old crew. There was a short video clip of the gesticulating clowns from the TV show The Simpsons. And it's this kind of thing that the people are, 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 you know, the criticism has come down saying, hey, look, this is a different form of abuse that we will not conform to this kind of, of, of abuse. So this follows a comment that you made on your Facebook post on Wednesday, and we had talked about this on, on previous shows. You had said, hey, you know, uh, there's a certain degree of discipline that has to be maintained. But when you have this, uh, I, I just, I, I'm flabbergasted as to uh, that this kind of stuff is happening. Uh, how do you respond to these kind of tweets and also to the, uh, the, the hue and cry from, from within your caucus? It's airing dirty laundry. Yeah, when I I got to confess, I don't spend a lot of time following a back and forth on Twitter. Um, but it's clear that our members, what I'm hearing from them is they want us to quote get our act together. By which they mean, I think, be a, a focused, united, and professional team focused on the public's priorities and not on internal politics. And I I can't wait for us to finally get this behind us on uh, on. Uh, May the 18th, with the leadership review vote, uh, I would ask everybody, regardless of their views about the future of the party, uh, to try to keep it inside, uh, stay focused, and let the members decide, and then we'll move on one way or another. All right. A tweet from, uh, or a text rather, from (laughs) Edmonton. Uh, With all the leaks from your caucus and through your actions that we've seen firsthand pointing to a top-down Ottawa elitist political culture, if you win the leadership vote... What are you going to do to bring the UCP back to a grassroots political culture? Because the way you're operating things right now is an embarrassment to Western Canadian grassroots conservatism. That is what the text has stated. Well, you know, I, I, I frankly disagree. Uh, <laughs> there could be nothing more grassroots than having a universal member ballot on the future of our party, which is what we are doing right now. Uh, this is a government that has brought in the most uh, important democratic reforms in Alberta political history. We've kept our election promise to bring in a recall law that's now in effect. People can hold, can fire their MLAs under that law, uh, including me. Uh, we've brought in a citizens initiative referendum law as promised, which allows citizens to force votes on big issues if the politicians are not listening. Uh, we brought in Senate elections. We held uh, re- our renewed Senate elections last October, uh, renewal of an important part of Alberta democracy internally within our caucus. We've brought in, I think, by far the most um, open uh, a process for uh, MLAs to involve be, be involved in policy. We have member policy committees uh, that are chaired uh, by government MLAs. They also sit on cabinet committees. I think this is the only government in Canada where uh, MLAs uh, are who are not ministers uh, participate in cabinet committees and, and those decisions. Every major policy decision goes before uh, caucus for, for often extensive debate and consultation. So I, I, uh, I frankly think that um, this is a, uh, a, a very open, bottom-up approach to decision-making. At the end of the day... <clears throat> 
at the end of the day, pe- people in government have to make decisions. And that was the case throughout COVID. I know that caused a lot of frustration uh, for people who were opposed to all of the restrictions. Um, but if we had not taken some of those difficult uh, and con- controversial decisions, we would have overwhelmed the hospitals, right. and that would have cost us in terms of human lives. So for me, uh, the the moral responsibility of protecting human life outweighs uh, my own personal political interests, and I'm willing to pay the price for that. All right. Uh, text message from Virginia. She says, can you or will you put a cap on AHS CEO upper management wages and bonuses? That's our tax money being given to them. We have a right to know how they are spending it as well. The answer is yes, there has been actually a cap uh, for several years. I think the NDP brought it in um, for agencies, boards and commissions, uh, including crown corporations like AHS. Um, we, we also kept our election commitment to do a, an independent performance audit of Alberta Health Services, partly to get at the issue of uh, middle management and, and, and senior executive costs. Uh, they came back and identified overall about $2 billion of savings that we could find in AHS to, read, uh, to, to reprofile to um, frontline clinical services for Alberta patients. Uh, we started implementation of that, but, uh, but got sidetracked by COVID. But, but let me just say this, you know, out of the $22 billion health or $21 billion healthcare budget, if we could eliminate, if we eliminated all of the top executive salaries at AHS, we would still be spending $21 billion on healthcare. So um, we need to make sure that there's responsible spending there, that we don't have excess bureaucracy uh, at AHS. But at the end of the day, um, that that is, let's not imagine that that is a silver bullet to the problem of accountability and the need for greater um, bang for the taxpayer's buck in our healthcare system. All right. Uh, back to the phones, and we'll talk with Dale now from Calgary. Go ahead, Dale. You're on with Premier Kenny. Yes. Hi. Good morning, Mr. Premier. Um, disability support workers haven't seen a pay raise since 2014. Workers are leaving the sector because they can't afford living expenses with their current wages. Inflation has gone up 4.8% this past year. How will you stand up for these workers and how will you support the support workers with an overdue compensation? Well, thank you, Dale. I, I must admit I'm not aware of a compensation in every different subsector of uh, the Alberta Public Service. Appreciate the work that disability support workers do. Um, and I imagine that your group is part of a collective bargaining unit that um, will come up to a renewal on the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, we are clearly negotiating in good faith. We recently ratified an agreement with the Alberta Union of Public Employees that included a modest increase. We did the same with the nurses union. And uh, so we recognize that the cost of living is, is uh, you know, the inflation is, is quite high right now. Um, and that we also recognize, by the way, that, you know, the private sector went through several years of not just wage freezes, but but pretty significant wage cuts. And we were in the midst of both a jobs and a fiscal crisis um, not long ago. And then we had COVID, of course. So now as we emerge from that into a period of economic growth uh, where private sector wages are, are recovering, we are in a surplus and there is inflation. Uh, we we are prepared to, to offer modest uh, um, increases, as we've demonstrated in, in some of the collective bargaining agreements. And, and I would just say stay tuned on that. All right. Uh, still with health care. Uh, Wendy calling from Edmonton. Go ahead, Wendy. Hi, uh, I have a a father who's 87 years old and due to COVID had to wait for a hip replacement for over two years. 
he, uh, during that period of time, was on heavy doses of morphine because he uh, was in such pain. As a result, got a hernia, had to get a hernia operation, got that before he could get the hip operation. Had the hip operation last week, ended up getting a blood clot over the last two days. I brought him into the Royal Alex Hospital last night, and as uh, Dr. Sherman indicated, we were there from 3 o'clock until 11 p.m. and confirmed, yes, in fact, he's got a, uh, a blood clot. Please come back tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. for an ultrasound. So now I'm waiting for him to have his ultrasound outside the Royal Alex Hospital because I can't be in there with him because of COVID and because of whatever else. The guy's 87 years old. He was in there for, you know, eight hours yesterday. No water, no food, and nobody monitoring to make sure that he was in good health. I fear that the next generation, me, I can't even imagine what our our emergency situation is going to be, what it's going to look like. And I think it's time to maybe change the name of emergency room to sit down and wait for eight hours. Mm. Wendy, uh, that is just brutal and I think unacceptable what your uh, father has been going through, not just in the last 24 hours, but in the last two years. Um you're right to say that the delays in surgery often impact people's health in severe ways. And a lot of the opioid crisis that's resulted in uh, deadly addictions in our province started with long surgical wait times as people got uh, hooked on on painkillers and, 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 and people's health deteriorates. This is just not acceptable. This is not acceptable in a province that spends... Uh, more than almost any other in Canada on health care in a country that spends almost more than any other amongst publicly insured systems. It's not acceptable in a $22 billion system. You know, we've increased health funding, baseline health funding in the last three years by 10%. Um, we have some of the best compensated professionals in the world. We have great frontline professionals. Uh, so what's the answer? Well, there is no wait. If there was one simple answer. Yeah. People would have implemented it a long time ago. I mean, I told I told you this happened. A similar story happened to my dad uh, twelve years ago in the Rocky View. Um, and there's so many. This is these are not unfortunately not new problems. They're deeply systemic problems. Um, I don't. There is no simple and easy answer. Uh, but it, it seems to me that on let's let's start at the first uh, problem that Wendy's dad has gone through, which is the surgical wait time. Um, there, that that is why we've put an additional billion dollars into contracting out surgeries, publicly insured surgeries, in private uh, chartered facilities. Because yes, they do use the innovation of the private sector. Yes, they they do use their operating rooms not six or seven hours a day, but twelve or fourteen hours a day. They have more flexible labor arrangements. They get more surgeries done at lower cost. That gets more patients out of the queue, out of pain. And, and unfortunately, that was delayed by COVID, but we're moving forward with it. On the emergency rooms, we do know that we have too many patients go to emergency who, who would be better in a family medical uh, setting. Th- those are some of the issues. But, uh, Wendy, thank you for flagging your story. And I'm, I'm sorry that you're going through this. And I, I hope that uh, he gets appropriate care. Text message now, Premier Kenny. Please review the access program under the Department of Health. It desperately needs a review, especially indoor renovations and accessories such as stairwell chairlifts and rebates for them for seniors to remain in their own homes. Okay, uh, the uh, is it called the access program? I'm not. I don't... Uh, this is what the text message. Says, I think I think I know what program. the call is referring to, and I, um, yeah, there there is funding for. Um, 
accessibility upgrades for people who need them, particularly in a home care setting. Um, but thank you. Noted. Your concern is I've, I've taken a note on that. All right. Uh, John is calling from Medicine Hat. Uh, an insurance question. Go ahead, John. Well, I'm just wondering uh, from the Premier why we would throw, you know, the the cap on insurances right out the window. Like, um, insurance companies have upped almost everybody's rates across the board. Why would we completely lift the cap? Like, I understand everybody needs an increase, but um, our insurance rates went up 300%. Like, I don't know if that's acceptable in other people's world, but it's it doesn't work in mine. Yeah. Um, why why would it be 100% lifted? That's my question. Well, th- th- thanks very much, John. Uh, the problem we were facing two, three years ago was, or I should say three and four years ago, was that uh, more and more insurance companies were pulling out of the Alberta market. That meant less competition. A lot of people weren't able to get insurance at all. Some had to pay 100% of their premiums up front rather than over uh, a payment program. And uh, more companies were telling us they were going to pull out of the market. And and that's in part because uh, personal injury awards in the courts, uh, in the legal system, were going up very dramatically. Um, the Klein government had brought in effectively a, a cap, a limit, on certain kinds of soft tissue personal injury awards uh, for uh, PNC insurance. And effectively, loopholes been found through that, which caused a huge increase in payouts. That was being reflected in higher premiums. Then the premium cap came in. Uh, and a lot of these companies weren't uh, making money in the Alberta market. They pulled out. Uh, we, we, we believe the, lo- the best uh, way in the long run to get lower premiums is to have a very competitive marketplace. Uh, many insurers are now actually filing with the regulator for a reduction in premiums. I know AMA has, re- has filed for a 7.4% reduction this year, and that'll, I think, set the pace in the market. Um, but, uh, but that's effectively when you step in and distort the market, you end up with less competition and ultimately in the long run, higher rates. All right. Uh, Bill has been hanging on for about half an hour already. Bill, uh, you're, thank you for your patience. You are now on with Premier Kenny. Hi, thanks a lot. Well, apparently the drug ivermectin is being made available in New Hampshire over the counter without a prescription for the early treatment of COVID. So I wonder if uh, you would help Premier facilitate that here in Alberta as well. Uh, no, absolutely not, because I'm not in charge, and nor should I be in charge of regulating uh, pharmaceuticals. I'm a, I'm a, uh, I am not a pharmacist, I'm not a medical doctor, and I'm not a scientist. Uh, and in Canada, the uh, uh, regulation of drugs is up to Health Canada, uh, and the uh, regulation of the medical practice is up to the, in our case, the College Alberta College of Physicians and Surgeons. So I respect their expertise. And if they decide that there's uh, an appropriate uh, COVID application to a a drug, then they can prescribe it. They can authorize it and prescribe it. My understanding, though, is that the producer of ivermectin, the company that actually produces it, um, uh, did not apply uh, to Health Canada for it to be used uh, as a therapeutic for COVID uh, because they said there's not compelling evidence that it is appropriate for COVID. So... You can't, uh, you know, we, we can't, pres- doctors generally are not going to prescribe a drug that is not authorized for a particular use. And again, that's for the independent regulators, not for politicians to decide. All right. Uh, quick response, if we could, Premier. Uh, this one from our text line. Ask the Premier about the natives blocking irrigation water for the Lethbridge Northern Irrigation District. 
that has no water for irrigation in Feedlot Alley near Picture Butte. Yeah, that's a critically important issue um, because uh, there, there's many, many uh, farms and ranches, feedlots in southern Alberta that depend on the water flow. Uh, and, and this is a, effectively a, a, a pump station uh, for the, that irrigation network. That, and we've had an agreement, the government of Alberta has had an agreement with the Pakani First Nation since 2002 on that particular facility. It is operated by Alberta Environment and Parks, and it's on the Pakani First Nation Reserve land. So meetings have been, you know, we've been in constant communication. This is not a new issue. This is a 15-year-old issue, but we've been in very intense communication over the past uh, week with the Pecani uh, Band Council and Chief uh, Stanley Greer, uh, and uh, we hope to be able to come to a resolution quickly. We understand the urgency of this. We just ask everybody uh, to uh, maintain uh, calm because a situation like this can become quite combustible. Uh, we we are, are doing our best working with uh, Indigenous Relations and Environmental Parks, the Irrigation uh, Association, and the Pecani First Nation to find an acceptable resolution to this uh, as soon as possible. All right, we have time for one quick call before we have to take a break, and we will go to uh, Chad from Edmonton. Go ahead, Chad. Premier, we're quickly approaching 30,000 hospitalizations and are well north of 500,000 PCR-confirmed cases. Dr. Henshaw indicated we are likely only detecting maybe a quarter of total cases. Prevalence of long COVID is estimated about uh, 10% of the population, many without a lab-confirmed PCR. What are you doing to address this? And really, be honest with me, Premier, was the pandemic really just an easy out to manufacture a healthcare crisis to scapegoat the publicly delivered system for privately delivered for-profit care? No. Uh, and I think you said that there was uh, 30,000 hospitalizations. I, maybe you misspoke because we only have about 7,200 uh, beds in our 108 hospitals across the province. Right now we have, I think, 1,200 people in acute care beds uh, with COVID, although a significant number of them uh, are, are people who are, have incidental COVID. They're not there primarily for COVID. Uh, so uh, we have a few hundred people in hospital primarily for COVID. So it's not, I thought you said 30,000. Maybe I misheard that. Um, overall cases. Overall cases. Well, okay. So uh, if you're asking really about the situation of COVID, uh, it's true that we've seen uh, obviously a, a, an increase in, in spread uh, and a surge in cases um, all around the world as a result of the BA2 subvariant of Omicron. Uh, but happily, the this variant seems to be even less severe than the Omicron variant, which was significantly less severe than Delta. And so what we seem to be observing in uh, the uh, evolution of COVID is that the mutations are becoming uh, progressively less severe. And uh, that's what we would expect from the Spanish flu and other uh, contagious respiratory viruses that we've seen uh, throughout modern history. Uh, sim- uh, but at the same time, we are constantly getting higher levels of population immunity. Obviously, a lot of people got Omicron in the winter and Delta in the fall, and that's added to so-called natural immunity. And we have 90% of adults with first dose vaccination. So I think we're, it, it, we have good reason to believe uh, with the rest, with most of North America and Europe, at least, that the worst of this is behind us. Um, but uh, in terms of manufacturing, I, I don't really understand even understand that question. Um, 
nobody's privatizing the healthcare system in Alberta. We are committed to a uh, universal publicly insured system. We've increased funding by about 10%. Uh, and uh, yeah, we are using innovation in the private sector to deliver publicly insured services, but that's always been the case in the Canadian system. All right, Premier Kenny, time for a break. I'm Wayne Nelson with Premier Jason Kenny. We'll be back to wrap things up in our final segment on Your Province, Your Premier. Wayne Nelson back with you as host and moderator of Your Province, Your Premier. Broadcast throughout the province every Saturday morning from 10 till 11 in Calgary on 770 CHQR and in Edmonton on 630 Chet. If you have something you want to bring to the Premier's attention, a concern or an issue that's bugging you, a specific question you'd like the Premier to answer, well, here's your opportunity to chat one-on-one. Just phone or text 403-974-8255 in Calgary. In Edmonton, the number is 780-496-0063. And across the province, 1-800-563-7770. All right, uh, we're going to go right to the phones, and we're going to start off with Kim. Uh, Kim has got something I don't think we've discussed on this show, uh, Mr. Premier. Uh, go ahead, Kim. So, uh, yeah, actually, um, in light of the ongoing exodus contributing to the dire shortage of experienced Crown prosecutors in Alberta and the party failures to adequately identify and managing the escalating problems, was Tyler Shandro the only elected representative other than Mandu and Savage with enough justice-related experience to be named full-time minister of this portfolio? I understand current situations restrict the other two reps from taking on this portfolio, but likewise, Shandro's track record occupies while occupying the health minister's role should likewise have been an indication he would be incapable of of managing this portfolio. So continuing to ignore the escalating problems and failing to adequately address these issues will result in Alberta being known as the home of criminals rather than the home of conservatives. Okay, uh, Wendy, sorry, sorry, Kim, Kim, excuse me, Kim. So I... Uh, look, first of all, the challenge we've had in the Alberta Prosecutor's Service uh, predates our government and certainly predates Minister Shandro's uh, uh, tenure at the Department of Justice and Solicitor General. Um, there's been a... Uh, there w- The previous government, I think in 2014, imposed a wage freeze on everybody in an executive level position in the Alberta Public Service, and that included prosecutors as lawyers. And uh, and so their pay has been frozen now, had been frozen, excuse me, for about uh, seven, eight years. Now, we lifted that freeze uh, this year because we're, we're now, the, the province's finances are, are on a sustainable track. Uh, and uh, we've, in fact, negotiated uh, a significant increase in compensation for a number of the, the prosecutors. Uh, and uh, we've hired a lot more um, uh, we have 35 more trial prosecutors in place more now than in 2019 and have more than doubled the number of our articling positions as part of the long-term plan to grow the ranks of Alberta prosecutors. Uh, we committed in the last election to hiring 50 new Crown prosecutors and we created the 50 positions needed to meet the commitment. And we're in ongoing discussions with the association that represents the Crown prosecutors to address their outstanding question, uh, concerns. So this is not about any particular minister. This is about... Um, uh, a pay issue that uh, goes all the way back to 2014. All right, text message now. Terry is uh, texting in from Edmonton. Premier, with the fire season upon us, will the Premier close the forest protection zone earlier in high hazard conditions so we don't repeat the Slave Lake and Fort McMurray fires? Well, we we accept the technical advice of the Alberta Wildfire Service and the Department of Environment and Parks, as well as Ag, Ag and Forestry when it comes to that. If they see that there's a dangerously dry conditions, 
uh, then they will recommend uh, a, a, a different rules, no fire, no fire rules, for example, in certain regions. Uh, and we're getting into that. We're about to move into that season. So we'll be getting regular uh, briefings and updates from uh, for, uh, Ag and Forestry on, on, on that. Uh, and I, I got to say that uh, we were fortunate in the last couple of years to see a significant reduction in uh, wildfire activity in the province. Uh, we hope we get some decent uh, moisture uh, across those parts of the province so we don't see a repeat of what happened three years ago. All right, one more text message before we hit back to the phones. As an Alberta student, this one coming in from uh, the Ched text line, as an Alberta student, diploma exams are always on the back of my mind. My question is, why are diploma exams still scheduled, even though students are still catching COVID and missing school? Why are the January diplomas cancelled and not all of them? Well, uh, the diploma exams are an important part of uh, having a goal for for learning and, and also uh, can be helpful with university post-secondary uh, admissions. Uh, so it's an important part of the uh, accountability in the uh, secondary school system. Um, I, we acknowledge that there was a lot of disruption over the two years of COVID, but but frankly, uh, that that has not been the case for, for most of this year. And um, listen, we, we'll always listen to superintendents and, and, and school boards if they come to us and say that they think it's it's unrealistic. We'll, we'll we'll take that on board. But I have not heard of any advice that we should cancel the uh, uh, the spring summer uh, diploma exams. All right, back to the phones. Craig has been holding on for some time now. Craig, go ahead. You're on with Premier Kenny. Hello, Mr. Kenny. Appreciate you taking the time to hear me. Um, I'm Craig from Calgary. Just very very concerned at the moment um, that the uh, we're living in a time where the press only seems to get excited with negative news. I just want to know as a Calgarian what more I can do to support you because I'm so worried there could possibly be a change of government again and we can't, you know, I moved to Alberta because it's one of the greatest provinces. I lived through the time, I've only been here 15 years, I lived through the time of an NDP government and I feel the only reason some of our small businesses have survived is because they were not in power during this crisis of COVID. Yeah. What more can I do as an Alberta to support you? Well, uh, Craig, uh, I I appreciate that. I, mean, I guess get, get involved. Uh, it, there will be an election a year from now, and, and uh, I know that your your local uh, conservative MLA would appreciate your support as, as a volunteer and, and whatnot. I, I, I can say that, um, you know... Uh, it's unfortunate, Wayne, on, on, and, and another, this is not a criticism. It's, 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 I totally welcome. There's always uh, critical questions on a, on a program like this, but often that, that crowds out the positives that are happening, which are many in Alberta right now. We're leading Canada in economic growth. We did last year. We're projected to do so in 2023. 145,000 net new jobs since the beginning of last year. Uh, we are, last year was the best year in the history of Alberta. Tech, venture capital, innovation, Film and television, forestry, agriculture revenues, exports, manufacturing, oil and gas, uh, diversification is happening. Uh, we've cut taxes on job creators, uh, regulation has been cut. I mean, there's a lot of great things happening in Alberta right now that we should uh, also be mindful of. And we need that growth. We hear a lot of cost concerns here about health care and social services, understandably, but we can only pay for those things if we have a growing economy, and thank God we do right now. All right. This goes to uh, an issue that we addressed earlier in this show. This is a text message. Brandon has a question for Premier Kenny. Just want 
this opinion on social media becoming such a large part of politics, especially Twitter. And I think you must be referring to that uh, tweet we were discussing earlier today. Uh, social media, large so, part of politics. Yeah, I, I, it's a it's a blessing and a curse, right? Uh, in in one way, it's easier to communicate, but in another perspective, um, it give it, well. It, uh, it can give voice to a lot of, uh, of anger, hostility, bitterness, and division. Um, I would just encourage people on, on social media, and uh, including my own team, but everybody, to, uh, to try to give others the, the benefit of the doubt wherever possible. Um, try to provide uh, thoughtful commentary and not, not nastiness. There's just too much of that. Keep it professional. Premier Kenny, we've run out of time. The the minutes fly by on this show. Thank you very much for joining us once again. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Wayne. And we will do this again next Saturday morning at this same time. I'm Wayne Nelson, and you've been listening to Your Province, Your Premier.